Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. Karen Brailsford and I had a live conversation on the Sidewalk Talk Facebook page, and I am now bringing her to our podcast because at the time her book was not out, and I'm so excited to get it. Her book called Sacred Landscapes of the Soul is Medicine for Our Time. Karen is a spiritual advisor. She's affiliated with the Agape Center, but she's also a longtime writer. She's written for Newsweek, Elle, People in Touch, and E! Entertainment. Her daughter is an actress. You may have seen her in The Hate You Give, Amandala Stenberg. And it was fun talking with Karen because I got, a, a, a perspective on Hollywood that was compassionate, but B, we spoke right after the uptick in social justice awareness and in a consciousness raising of the conversation. And as a black woman, I asked Karen, how do you deal with the tragedy and the anger? And she had the coolest way to deal with anger that I even had folks on the Facebook Live going, oh my God, I just did it. It feels so good. So enjoy this conversation. It will for sure lift your spirits. Please go out and get Karen's book that just came out called Sacred Landscapes of the Soul. It is a book you're going to want to get in hardback. It is like holding heartfelt poetry in your hands to soothe your soul. I got an advanced copy digitally and it's, it's lyrical and it's, it's uh, provocative in its visual layout. And yeah, it's just one you're going to want to kind of keep around for those hard moments. So Really excited for the rest of you that didn't get to join us live for you to meet Karen Brailsford. Karen Brailsford, we're already live. That's how fast the software is. I'm so I'm so excited to get to connect with you and introduce you to all of our listeners around the world because I'm hoping A, that we can get some spiritual sustenance going for all of us now and that everyone will go buy your book in September when it's out. But you've got, gosh, a long history of being a writer and an editor. And then I was reading more about you and you paint and you sing (laughs) (laughs) and you're a licensed spiritual practitioner at Agape. You're a mom to an actress. I mean, you've done all kinds of stuff. How did you arrive here? First of all, just give us a little history of Karen. Mm, well, thank you for asking. Um, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me and thank you for all those who are listening in. Um, how did I arrive here? It's so interesting. I just wrote a piece recently that sheds a little bit of light on that. Um, I grew up in the South Bronx I, um, and I always had a spiritual thirst. I grew up going to a Baptist church and I always knew that 
I want it to be connected to spirit. So I think the creativity, the singing, the painting, for me, it's all ways that I've been searching to express, searching to create, because I think that's at the center of my connection to spirit or God or the universe. So that's how I arrived here. I basically um, think that by connecting to these ways of creating and these different hats that I wear that I'm expressing. I'm expressing the divine, I'm expressing spirit, and that's why I am here. That's fully why I'm here to do that. Mm. Mm. You know, it reminds me because I was looking at some of the, and thank, we can thank Beth for sending me an advanced copy of your book, but I was loving how you broke the book down in these sections. I just want to read some of the section names because they were really meaningful to me. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm just going to kind of keep this on a post-it near my bed or something. <laughs> you know, you had a section that says, when we're in the thick of it, when we don't know what to do, when we're seeking peace, when we're frozen with fear, when we catch a vision for our lives, and when we dare to free fall. And it almost felt like it gave me permission to be going through any one of those experiences without feeling ashamed about it, you know? I'm curious how spirituality, from your perspective, helps us through some of these things. I think it helps us through these things. These stages that you refer to are the different landscapes of the soul. So I was able to um, define nine different landscapes from the forest to the mountaintop to the ocean to the riverbank. And the idea is that in any given moment, we are experiencing our humanity. Sometimes we are frustrated and we're confused and we're angry. And sometimes there's a glimpse in which we feel Oh my goodness, I know why I'm here. Oh my goodness, it's so wonderful to paint this painting. Oh my goodness, it's so great to be able to add two plus two, that we have a spark. Um, and so I define that as the oneness, feeling this connection to all of life, or just when we're happy with our friends or with our family members, or having a really list out time for no reason why. And so the idea is that we move in and out of these different landscapes. Sometimes within our lifetime, sometimes within a single day. <laughs> Maybe it feels that way within a yeah. single hour. So the idea was that, yes, I don't want anyone to feel judged. The idea is that we are to love ourselves right where we are, to know that we are loved right where we are, and that whatever is bubbling up inside, that it's, it's there. It's showing us something. It's revealing something. And ultimately, mm. it's helping to heal us when we look at it, when we simply be when we let it we mm. allow these feelings to come up for us mm. so i'm almost hearing the, this quality of giving people a map to listen to their own soul so that they can be with themselves in a healing way no matter exactly. what's kind of outside exactly thank you so much for, for saying that so succinctly that's exactly what the idea is and to and to really understand that it's okay that whatever is coming up, that it's okay. One of my favorite um, quotes or epigraphs, and I say it in the book a couple of times, a few times, because I find myself saying it as I hear it in my own head, coming up from my own soul, is this too shall pass. Mm. That's one of my favorite expressions. Another is um, be still and know, which comes from the Bible, be still and know that I am God. And so those two expressions, quotations, really anchor me and they've anchored me throughout my entire life so they're peppered throughout some of the passages um yeah. there's a thread yeah 
So I'm going to ask a, a hard question, a harder mm -hmm. question. You know, one of the things that comes up, certainly in the graduate program that I went to, is that some folks would use spirituality to avoid facing some of the things that they needed to face in their life, um, to avoid activism, to avoid injustices, to avoid psychological pain. And um, so it's been something on my mind, and I imagine you're a plethora of wisdom about this. So how do you, how do you make that distinction? How can spirituality not be a tool to avoid, but a tool to sustain our action, or what I'd call right action? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to infuse it, to, to empower it, to yeah. drive it. Um, I am very familiar with the idea that, yes, um, some people might look at spirituality as kind of airy-fairy or something. Some of my friends call me hippie granola is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk about at Agape, we talk about spiritual bypassing. And so we don't believe mm -hmm. in spiritual. We believe that we are here to like work through this stuff, to deal with it, to look at everything that's bubbling up. So you don't want to spiritually bypass, which means, you know, do the, uh, you know, oh, I'll just meditate over it and pray over it, but not really go deep. So the idea is that we want to dive deeply. And I think that, um, and we also say, you know, pray and move your feet. Pray and move Ooh, your feet. I like so, that. Isn't that perfect? Isn't that wonderful? The idea that, yes, you pray and you meditate and you, and we also vision in which we catch a vision for what might be coming up in our lives or we kind of, mm -hmm pray and yeah. anchor and see um, possibilities, mm -hmm. um, catching a vision. But at the same time, we're also moving our feet. Yeah. We're boating, you know, we are living, we're cooking the dinner, we're doing whatever mm -hmm. it is that we need to do to sustain ourselves and sustain our lives. And more importantly, because once we're sustained, we can help others. The idea is that once we are in alignment, once we are taking care of what's going up, coming up for us, then we can truly be a beneficial presence mm -hmm. on the planet. And that's the idea behind my book. I state that quite clearly, I, at least that was my intention, that yes, um, we want to be, we want to pray, we want to be inspired by these epigraphs, by these quotes, this great wisdom that's come down through the millennia. We want to um, do our affirmations, I include those in the book as well. We want to read mm -hmm. and be inspired, but yes, we have to act upon it. And of course, this is a perfect week to be talking about this because yesterday I watched the memorial mm, of John Lewis and what a wonderful synthesis of deep spirituality and action and action. Mm. So, I mean, mm. he's emblematic and I think in our countries in civil rights movement, it was all fueled by spirituality and this, and this mm -hmm. belief. So they go hand in hand. They go hand yeah. in hand. And I don't think that we can, I suppose if one decides that's what one wants to do, one can sit on the mountaintop and pray and meditate. But I think in this day and age, for me personally, it's really about deepening and being out in the world. So you're in yeah. the world, but not necessarily of the world, so to speak. <laughs> well, I might be a little more radical than you. I mean, what I hear you saying is that spirituality it taps you into such a soul's mission that you're motivated to move your feet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. I think it'd be hard if you were really tapping into your soul's mission to go sit on, you know, well, maybe some people, I guess, sit on the mountaintop. But most of us, I think right now, are really feeling the desire to move our feet. We're yeah. like, wait a minute. 
Yes. We got to like wake up to this stuff. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Some, some for the very first time. Exactly. And you said the, the phrase, the words that come to mind, wake up. I think we are really being reminded to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and how you describe spirituality rather than being used to bypass, I hear you saying, no, 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 no. It's this well that you drink from so that you can have more energy to get out and do the things that you need to do. Because I do see people burning out right now. Are you seeing that? And how are, how are you supporting them? I, I know you, you, you provide spiritual counseling to people. Like, how do you recommend people work with their burnout? By being still. By being still. I mean, I, in my own life, ebb and flow in terms of the busyness and then the stillness. Um, whether it's over the course of a week or a month or even a day that I'm taking time out to get centered and I meditate and I pray, but even just taking a moment to breathe, take three deep breaths during the day, that's so centering. I think the power of the breath, it's so immense. It's so immense. Mm -hmm. And I think um, meditation is really beneficial because it kind of calms the mind, it calms whatever is happening and it's an invitation to really be present. So in that moment, you don't can't really be concerned about anything else because you have to be yeah. present with what is, with what is. So. I really appreciate that you admit that, yeah, you, you kind of go out of balance and come back in balance and sharing with us that you're using the breath and meditation to sort of, oh, it, sounds like you're, you're, it sounds like you're human just like the rest of us, Karen. <laughs> well, the idea is that um, the idea as a spiritual practitioner is that I have access to all of these tools that I'm practicing. Notice the word practitioner. Basically, I'm practicing the presence of God. I'm practicing, and it's a practice. It's not oh. something that oh, all of a sudden you're just there. It's really a practice. And so, I am so grateful that I have these tools. That I have the meditation, the affirmations, the deep breathing yoga, whatever it is one is doing, that these tools enable one to come back to center. And so I'm very yeah. aware that, yes, I might go off center, but the idea is that, oh, yes, I get to return home. I get to return to that place, to that place of knowing. And yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because I think some people do think that, oh, well, because you go to this particular spiritual center or because you do this, that means that you're never going to have an issue. And that's hardly the case because we are – living in this world and we're going to be yeah. you know, challenged by things. We're going to be, you know, angered by things, annoyed by things, but the spiritual tools allow us to come back to center. And there's something yeah. really delicious about that return, about that idea of like, Oh, I might be here, but I can just come back. Oh, wow. Mm. And it's always really humbling to realize that and empowering to realize that, that no matter what's happening, yeah. I have at my disposal, these tools. I love that frame that even when you get out of center, if you, if you remember that you have those tools, it's super empowering. I think that's another frame to motivate us to actually use them, right? Cause sometimes mm -hmm. I can get off center and not use them, but you're saying, no, it'll actually empower you if you're using them more regularly. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question because I, again, I just have this gut feeling that you have something, something so meaningful to say. I, I have been wrestling with anger during this time, right? Anger comes up and I wrote my graduate thesis on anger and still feel like I'm a beginner. 
I mean, shucks, I've been working on this anger stuff for a long time. And there's so much justified, re there's so many justified reasons to be angry, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just would welcome any sort of wisdom that you have for us really making use of our anger to be of service to the divine. Hmm. Absolutely. I actually did an exercise um, recently with regards to anger and Ooh, do you want to show? Do you want to show us? <laughs> I didn't make it up, actually. Um, Michael Beckwith, who's the spiritual uh, director and founder of Agape, um, said this. So I'm just going to pass it on because this Please, is pass so it along. So get ready, get ready. Yes, he um, talked okay. about it during service not that long ago. And so the idea is to take that anger, for instance, um, that frustration, that anger, and shout and yell something empowering so so what we did during this exercise was that for instance i'm trying to think of an example um let's say i'm really angry about what's going on in the state of the world right now and so i say oh, this is the greatest day ever you know i am <laughs> i am evolving and expanding in a most dynamic and powerful way so that same tonality you say something yeah. affirming and it's such a release. It's so interesting because you're still getting wow. out that you're still getting out that anger, but the words yeah. that you, that you're echoing into the universe that you're broadcasting are so positive. And we know that the universe is responsive, right? So what's going to come back is like this empowering that. good thing. So I found that such to be such a powerful exercise. Isn't that wild to think about that? I love that so, you so the much. You utilize the energy. You utilize it all of it. Right. Because, because it's electricity. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so you get to use that energy. And um, it's funny because the book itself, the pieces, as you know, um, I have an intro in which I speak very personally about my my family and growing up and my spirituality, but the pieces themselves are um, to the to the unknown might seem to be, okay, these are just pieces that she's written that come through her, but actually the memoirs, the book is actually kind of a memoir because I remember where I was when I wrote each piece and what I was going through. So they're very personal stories embedded in the energy of the pieces. And so I wrote them and spirit, I believe, gave them to me to administer to my own soul as well. And so there were times when I was really angry and something happened. Um, I talk about this, in, I think, in a piece in the very beginning about emotions. And I remember, I do believe that the universe is so responsive that you can use anger. And I've given God a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> and, and does God respond to your deadlines? Yes, this is what I want to know. Yeah, it will, it will respond. I was like, I need this to happen. Um, I was so angry. This was this was a long time ago in my spiritual journey, but it worked. I couldn't believe this thing. I wanted something to happen by November first, and it did. But then I realized, well, what if I didn't even have to make that demand? What would it feel like energetically? if I could have the same result without having that kind of like, yeah, give this to me kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Um, so it's really all about the journey and how we want to experience it and what we want, how we want to show up. Cause I do believe that the universe will just respond to that. Cause they responded in that instance. But I thought, oh, yeah. I don't really have to threaten. Do I have to really threaten the universe? Can I just say, 
ah, I know this is, I know it is. I know that everything is working together for my highest good. I know that everything is divinely orchestrated, that everything is rushing in right here, right now. To me, that feels better than like ranting and, and raging like a toddler. So I've chosen to All right. do I'm here. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you, Karen. But golly, it does seem like a tough time. And I mean, your book is coming out. We've got, you know, just more media coverage of police brutality. And we're in a global health pandemic. You know, we have protesters that are being accosted by the police. And, you know, I mean, name it. We got environmental I mean, I don't want to depress everyone, but these are the realities that we're in right now. And you're telling me that we can feel good? Is that what you're saying? I'm telling you that we can acknowledge what's happening in the outer world and that we can actually have some semblance of understanding and compassion for ourselves. And I don't want to use the word control, but we can actually... Um, utilize certain tools to shore ourselves up so that we're able to face what's happening in the Mm. greater world, in the bigger world. Because yes, this doesn't look very pretty right now, does it? Mm -mm. It doesn't. Mm -mm. But I believe that this is also a time of really powerful awakening, that something really good is happening in the midst of all of this. And we see that. We see what's coming, what's bubbling up to the surface. And when things bubble up to the surface, I believe that they're doing so because they are seeking to be healed. So the racism, um, you know, the ideas that in this country, in in America, that people can't get the um, medical needs met. I mean, that was always happening. And now we see it in a more dynamic and really stark way. So we're discussing it. Yeah. We're talking about it. And I believe in the end that it's all working towards good. Yeah. Well, and I'm just reminded of something in me that I have to believe that. And so, yes, it feels really uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that there aren't horrible things happening. You know, I think a lot of us know people who have transitioned or have certainly been struck by COVID. I know I have. And yet in the midst of this, there's this sense of something powerful is happening. Something creative is happening. Something is emerging. Something is emerging. Having watched the memorial for John Lewis yesterday, I I had that Mm -hmm. sense. I was teary-eyed and emotional about who he was and his legacy, but he's passed on the mantle. I mean, he did so in an editorial that he wanted to be published on the day of his unbelievable so he's you know he's handed something to us that Mm. and if he could be so inspired and still be so hopeful he was always hopeful i think yeah it's incumbent upon all of us yeah well i i knew that you were going to say that i know because and you already said it in the interview that it's 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 by tapping into and using the tools of spirituality that we become we gain the sustenance for these hard times and that's why i'm kind of thrilled to get to talk with you today because i just feel like i wish your book was coming out today <laughs> that's what i wish um i want to ask you there's this beautiful question you ask right in the beginning of the book I don't know what I want to ask about it, but I just want to say it and talk about it Mm -hmm. and see where we go. But I love that when you said, why am I here and how can I help? 
Mm. I love that. And mm -hmm. that's like a soul question that I, I mean, does it take a lifetime to answer that question? Because I can imagine you can be listening and listening and listening to that question for the whole of your life. I think so. I think, and I think that's the charge to keep listening mm. and to keep tapping within. I think the idea is that there shouldn't be a finite answer. You know, maybe at age 10, it's one purpose, maybe 20 and 40 and 60. It keeps evolving because we keep evolving and we keep listening and we keep catching a greater vision of our um, individual purposes. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. I got to ask you a question about your kid. You We've got a kid in Hollywood and Hollywood's not an easy place to stay spiritual. Like how, how do you infuse that as a mom to a, a child that's being put into this kind of machine in a way? And how do you keep that sort of steady hand with all of it? Well, I'd like to think that, um, well, first of all, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, ask you a question because you said Hollywood is X and then you said how do you know Ooh. and I my question is you want to know what I'm assuming huh <laughs> you're making certain assumptions you're making certain yeah. assumptions um which is what people tend to do which is what most people tend to do about anything right we we see something and we have an idea and a judgment about it so mm -hmm. I would say um that we are each including my my child uh, my daughter you know we are each spiritual beings and that we come here with a purpose and with an intention. And so um, I don't think I so much as was, I think your question was like, how do I, how do I do something? I think that it was a co collaborative dynamic between my daughter and myself in terms of her having set certain intentions and purposes in terms of why she was on the planet. And then I got to support that. And uh -huh. so I have this idea that we each, um, that we choose our parents and our parents um, mm. and that the kids choose us as well. Like it, it goes, it's a mutual uh, dynamic and relationship. And so I see myself as supporting a vision and growing and expanding from that and that, that she does exactly the same thing. But to say that Hollywood is a certain way, I certainly worked as a journalist, as you probably read, um, right. in entertainment, and so I had really amazing experiences um, doing interviews because I would connect with the individual in the way that one might during a practitioner session. Even before mm. I became a practitioner, I didn't know that's what I was doing. So, and I'm sure that's what you do as you, this is what you do with your wonderful organization that you listen. And so the interviews that I did in Hollywood were about that. And believe mm. it or not, I've played with people on, on movie sets, too. Mm. So I think that actually L.A. and Hollywood, there's a deep understanding. There's a quest and a search. That's why people in Hollywood talk about, or folks on the East Coast where I'm from, talk about how Hollywood is so like, oh, they're so, you know, la la. They're so kind of like granoli and whatever. And that's because there is this, there is this idea of expanding and searching and mm. finding finding the self and finding this connection to spirit, whether or not it's articulated that way. So I think that Hollywood itself, perhaps it's emblematic of the dichotomy that exists yeah. in the world at large. And it seems really big and dynamic mm -hmm. that, oh, you have these people who are abusive and you have these people who are making these movies. But I think we're all human and we're all searching 
And mm -hmm. ultimately, that's what this is about. I love that you're calling, calling me out on my assumptions, first of all, because I like that kind of truth telling. So I'll just, just name that, first of all. Second of all, I'm kind of like reading between the lines, listening a little more deeply to what you're saying. And I almost mm -hmm. hear you saying, look, you're going to, what you seek, you shall find. And you bring so much soul into the interviews that you, you have. And, and so you were having a version of Hollywood that isn't the stereotype, it sounds like. Well, I'm not saying that it didn't, doesn't exist. I'm not saying that there aren't certain dynamics and things that I might not be happy with or like, or, <laughs> or but I don't, I don't judge at all. Perhaps, you know, I'm kind of, sure. I'm understanding that, um, huh, it's so funny. You just reminded me that years ago I used to think I had this theory. I don't know if it's really true, but I had this theory that maybe in a way that celebrities, because they are there for everyone, they're so exposed that, you know, individuals, we project all of our own desires oh, onto them. And they are oh, yeah. human beings who are also just navigating, you know, life itself. And so I had this idea that maybe they are kind of like apostles in a way that, you know, oh, they, you know, sure. that they kind of are sacrificing themselves in some way. So this is kind of out there, but that's just a theory that I, I can go with out there. I think the leaders too, people that lead mm -hmm. big organizations, same thing. They are stand-ins for mom and dad that we didn't have. And we project, on me. you know, I mean, I'm with yeah. you on that. I, I yeah. hear that. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, tell, tell us why you wrote the book. Tell us mm -hmm. what you're hoping that when I, I'm going to ask it a different way. Cause I want to bring people, people in. Sure. When somebody gets your book in their hands and they have it sitting before them and they open it and they start to read it, what do you hope happens for them? Hmm. I hope that the words literally, you know, jump off the pages and that enter their souls, that they take away something that's so soothing that the book itself is a balm, that the book becomes hmm. a, a moment for them to take a deep breath to take mm. a deep breath and to forget whatever else is spiraling around them, to remember who and whose they are, to remember, oh yes, I can pause. I am loved. The very universe is supporting me. All of these, um, I see the book as a way of providing comfort. I see it as a way of leading to insight, a moment of introspection. I see it as a way of soothing and calming fears. I see it as a way of my connecting, my connecting that, that brought the book through me, that energy, mm. that dynamic, that, that creative inspiration, that it's a way of the reader to actually connect with that same powerful presence. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for writing it because even just looking at the layout of the pages and there's, art and the it feels so reverent to the words and then there's reference to so many different spiritual traditions and poets and thinkers peppered throughout the book so it really is that book that you're going to want to keep by your bed and when you wake up in the middle of the night tormented by something in your mind it's it's the thing that you're going to grab to sort of find ease again and peace you are the perfect reader of my book. <laughs> it's exactly what I want. And the idea that you've noticed the art, I mean, I had to give a shout out to the design team um, at Wyatt McKenzie and to Nancy Cleary, the publisher, because 
when I got the book itself, I just couldn't believe how she was able to marry, you know, my words, spirit's words, the affirmations, which I call peak speak, yeah. the epigraphs, which indeed, yes, it's poets, it's, it's, you know, the Bible, it's different spiritual traditions. I was an English lit major, so I love poetry. So oh, that's okay. <laughs> there's a lot of me in the book and somehow she laid it out in such a beautiful way. I was, I was really inspired and gratified and felt like, okay, yes, as I always say, oh yes, there is this God. <laughs> this is proof of it. So. It's beautiful. It's Thank beautiful. You so, much. so excited. Well, we're coming to the end of our time and I, I, I just feel a really sweet exchange and connection with you. So thank you for filling my own heart and being in connection together here. And this is where I, I actually want to step out of the way and let you be in connection with the 8,000 listeners that sit on sidewalks all over the world to offer really heart-centered listening to anybody. And we have this tradition where you can offer directly to them either a wish or words of wisdom as we mm. close. Well, what comes up for me is to offer my gratitude. My gratitude. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your loving heart. Thank you for your willingness to be of service and to listen, to listen deeply, to be inspired, because it is a two-way street, I believe, that they are being as enriched by their listening as the individuals who are being listened to. So it's a dynamic. So each moment becomes a namaste moment for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because when one is lifted up, we all are lifted up. And so I think the work that you're doing is honoring and helping the world at large. Karen Brailsford and everyone listening, September 20th, is that the launch date for September 1st? Mm -hmm. oh, September 1st. Okay, Sacred Landscapes of the Soul, aligning with the divine wherever you are. Um, I will guarantee you that it will be on my nightstand. So if you want to be like me, you're going to do the same. And I'm not just doing a sales pitch. This is really what I'm going to do. So if you want, <laughs> you want a book club, you just reach out. Thank you so much. Thank you for your work Thank and for birthing this so book for us. It's an honor and a pleasure and a blessing to be here. All right. Be well, everyone. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.